Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage. Lao Tzu. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Hello, and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast with Perry Hughes. Perry, welcome. Woo! What's up, my brother? Happy to be here this morning. Hope you're doing great. Yeah, I'm, I am doing well, and we are also joined by a special guest on this episode, Pastor Dan DeMay of the Shine Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. Pastor Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. It's good to have you here. I know you woke up bright and early to impart some wisdom, no, but just to have some fun and to have some conversation around marriage. And so you as a listener might be thinking like, why... Why are we talking about marriage on a fatherhood podcast? And I think the answer is fairly simple, and it's because our relationship with our spouse heavily influences our ability to be a good father. And so maybe, that's certainly my thesis. I'll be interested to hear what Pastor Dan has to say about that, but we're just going to unpack that and talk a little bit about about our sideways relationships as I like to think about it. Uh, I, I sort of think of my fatherhood in terms of directionality, like up, down, and sideways. Down is easy. It's, it's me, the father, sort of parenting down to my kids. Then there's the up relationship, right, which we may not think about quite as often, but we certainly talk a, a lot about here on this podcast. That's the upward relationship between me and my heavenly father, right? How do, I learn to be a father from our heavenly father and, and the guidance there. But what about our sideways relationships, the relationship with our spouse, and how does that influence and impact fatherhood? So, so that's what we are going to unpack. Uh, before we dive in, Perry, how has your week been? It's been great, brother. Uh, it's a gloomy, rainy day today, but I, I like to say oftentimes even on a gloomy, rainy day, it's a beautiful day. You know, It's a beautiful morning. It's a new day. It's a new start. Um, one of the things I've been doing anew again is uh, reading bedtime stories with my kids. So I've kind of been winning at that lately, and it's been a joy, a blessing, not only to them, but to me. You know, there was a little season where I had uh, tasked or delegated that role to Audible, and I would just let my kids listen to books on tape. But man, I missed a lot of joy in that um, myself, and I'm sure my kids, you know, missed out a little bit. Not that there's anything wrong with Audible, but um, I love doing that. Doing that uh, part of the day is, you know, the end of the day, they're winding down, they're getting in bed, and I'm, I'm reading them a little story. And man, I love it. It's probably uh, one of the highlights of my days, one of the favorite parts of my days, for sure. Yeah. I like that. And what's cool about that is then you look forward to it throughout the day, and your kids, I'm sure, are looking forward to it throughout the day. To, so to have that little kind of carrot sticking out there, waiting for the end of the day to, uh, to draw us through the day, that's, that's really cool. I, yeah, <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about marriage on this episode. I, I had a little uh, a little gaff last night. I guess it wasn't a gaff. That's probably not the correct word. But I messed up a little bit in my marriage relationship. It's my job at night to to turn down the heat before going to bed. My wife likes to sleep with it cold under lots of blankets, and I forgot to her- turn the heat down last night. So we roasted all night. We were sweating. Did, you know, it was, it was miserable. So we woke up this morning with her sort of mad at me. So I need to figure out. Pastor Dan, how to mend that relationship so I can be a good father today. <laughs> I think what you have to do is you have to get the nest and put it on your phone. And so that way, when you realize you're roasting in the middle of the night, you just reach your phone, bring the temperature down, and you're all set. That's a good point. All right. I'll, I'll, have, to, I'll have to look into that. All right. So, so as we transition a little bit, 
Uh, I realized I didn't give an appropriate introduction to Pastor Dan. Dan and I have known each other for, I think, at least 15 years now. It's been a while since I've lived in Denver, but uh, we we were at the same church together for a number of years. He was the associate pastor at the at the church that I attended in Denver, Colorado, and then he has since become the lead pastor, the senior pastor at Shine Church. And 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 Dan, I just you know, you, you probably never know what sort of influence you have on any of your congregants. I feel like you and I were friends as much as I was, you know, under your leadership in the church. We played flag football together and 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 spent time together doing things. So I always appreciated the f- friendship, but I always just admired you and respected the way that you showed up as a father, the way that I saw you interact with your kids on the football field, in church, just in social environments. And I particularly admired the relationship that you have with your wife, Kim. And so I just thought it was so appropriate just to invite you here to have a conversation around this topic. And so I sort of shared sort of my thoughts about the up, down, and sideways, but just to sort of kick things off and just sort of an open-ended question to get us started, why do you think the sideways relationship, the way the relationship with your spouse, your relationship with Kim... Why is that so important for you as a father? How does it influence fatherhood? Well, that's a loaded question right there. Um, I, you know, I think that when you get married and you become one with somebody else, uh, you have to begin to realize that, um, you know, God created the two of you for one another and that you're a counterparts uh, for each other. And so, um, the first thought that comes to my mind is that uh, my wife's strengths are usually my weaknesses and my strengths are her weaknesses. And the two of us together combined uh, make that whole that God wanted for our kids to see. Um, and so I think it's super important to understand that um, to to parent by yourself, it, you're just missing a part of what God created um, for your kids to see. Um, and, and it's not impossible and it can be done without a doubt, but when you have a relationship with your spouse and it's just a healthy one, um, and your kids get to see that they get to see the full roundness of what God has put together. Um, when a man and wife come together as one, um, and I think that's really important for, for parenting and for, uh, raising kids because, um, you want your kids to have the most or the well how do you the best round wellness that they can see so that they grow up and they they have that well roundness roundedness about them did you see that within your own parents let's let's just go back a little bit tell tell me a little bit about maybe your childhood we always like to hear stories uh about your your relationship with your father what do you remember about your father Um, but like, what what are some of your fond childhood memories? And then what do you remember about your parents growing up as a kid, right? So we're we're thinking about the, the standard we want to set and the example we want to set for our own kids in our marriage relationship, the stability that can provide. Did you have that growing up? Um, that's a great question. I I did. It's interesting because I talk about that well-roundedness and I think that even with my mom, and my dad, there there was that, but maybe not in the most healthy way, if, if that makes sense. Uh, my, my dad was a priest, um, and my mom was a nun uh, before I came along. They obviously got out of those two respective roles, and uh, <laughs> I came along 
I'm the oldest of four siblings. And, um, I, you know, my dad was already 40 when he had me and I'm the oldest of four. So by the time he was 50, he had four kids under the age of 10. Wow. And so I just remember him being very uh, relaxed, very passive. Um, he is a kind, gentle man. Um, but he just was, was, I, I think now, now that I'm 50, <laughs> I'm 51 right now, I, I look back and go, Oh my gosh, he was just tired. Um, <laughs> he was just tired. And, uh, my mom was, my mom was 13 years younger than him. Um, and so she, she was the one that had the energy. Um, and she was also the one that was, was pretty much the disciplinarian, uh, in, in our family. And so it was just an interesting dynamic. I do think they rounded themselves out well. Um, but when I look back, there was probably more things that I brought into my marriage and into my parenting that I, I, I didn't want to do if that, if that makes sense. And I think that sometimes can be a good a teaching tool and learning tool as well is that, you know, you, you realize the things that you don't want to bring into your parenting or, and then some of the things that you do want to, I mean, the love that my parents have for us kids are just absolutely amazing and wanting to bring that to ours. Is absolutely. Um, but they, you know, after 21 years of marriage, they actually ended up getting divorced. And I think that that was because of that, um, you know, they, they were so polar opposite in, in how they handled things. Um, and so I, you know, I don't know, I don't know if that fully answers your question. I don't know if I gleaned a, a whole lot, uh, in regards to my parenting skills, um, from them other than really the love, the, just that unconditional love that they gave to me as a child. Yeah, we've talked about this on the podcast previously, and that is the tendency we have sometimes to just sort of automatically become like our fathers or like our mothers, because it's what we know, it's what we've seen. We tend to think about fatherhood the way that we saw our father. Uh, and But sometimes you identify things that you don't want to do, and you try to intentionally be different. And so so were there areas, and maybe maybe a separate question would be, are there are there aspects of fatherhood that you believe are distinctly the father's role? You talked, for example, about how your mother was more the disciplinarian. Did you perhaps believe that, no, maybe it should be more the father's role, and I, when I become a father, want to be more of a disciplinarian? How did you decide what to maybe intentionally try to do different than what you saw, saw modeled with your own parents? And, and then how did that play out then in that marriage relationship with Kim? That's a great question. I, I think the, the the thought that comes to my mind actually is um, I do think there's distinct roles. And I think that um, a husband and wife kind of need to realize those things even before they have children. Um, because I think it's really important to understand that um, God created us um, as as equals, but yet we're so different. Yeah. <laughs> Men and women are just completely different. Um, and so when I do premarital counseling, um, I always try to help the couple understand um, those differences and some of the things that, that God has wired um, them with. Um, one of those things is I, I bring them back all the way to Genesis chapter two, where it says that God created, you know, God created all of this and says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Then he creates man. Uh, and he goes, this isn't good. 
And what he was saying is it's not good that he's, he's alone because all of these other creatures that I have created, they're just not a companion for him. And so you guys know the story. He puts man into a deep sleep. He takes out of the man the rib and he creates woman. And so I will always ask couples, hey, just a couple quick questions for you. Number one, why didn't God just stir up some more dust from the ground and create woman? Why did he take out of man to create woman? And of course, they always say, well, because um, they're one. He wanted them, her to be a part of him. And absolutely, there's there's that connection that they're, they're created from one. Um, and that's I think that's super important to understand because um, when a husband and wife come together in marriage, they become the completion of what God intended. Um, and so what took place at that moment then is that everything, it says we're made in God's image. And so when Adam was created, um, he was created in the image of God. He had the fullness of everything that God wanted in a human being. It was all in Adam. And when he took the rib out of Adam and put it into the woman, um, I believe he took a portion of who he is, who God is, and put it into the woman. And so man no longer had everything that God wanted in humans. He only had half of what God wanted in humans. The other half he put into the woman. And so, for example, I will always teach this. Um, he took the rib on purpose. If he just needed to, some DNA to make the two one, why didn't he grab a piece of hair or a toenail or, you know, why a rib? Well, a couple theories I've heard is that so that the man and woman can fight side by side, that they can be rib cage to rib cage, they can be equal, love all those teachings. Um, but I would submit this one. I believe he took the rib because the rib, the ribs protect. The ribs guard our hearts, guard our vital organs, um, and they keep us safe. You know, they keep us in a physical sense very safe by the protection that they provide. I believe that this is a great example of what I'm talking about. I think that God took the uh, protection. As a matter of fact, if you look up that word in the Hebrew, the help meet, God created a help meet for Adam. That word means a counterpart, so the other half. Um, that helps, aids, and protects. And so, Brett, I always tell couples that um, the protector of the family is the woman. Hmm. And it's not, I'm not talking about like the bump in the middle of the night, you know, no, that's, sir, you go down, you get your bat, you whatever, you go down, you find out what's going on. But when it comes to um, spiritual, uh, emotional, there, there's a wiring in a woman that is by nature protect. And so um, when you understand that as a couple, then you begin to realize that you each have different parts and different roles. And so, um, I, you know, this was incredibly helpful for Kim and I in our marriage um, when our kids were really, really little. Um, you know, one of the one of the big complaints that I'll hear from women about men is that they just won't stand up and be the head of their marriage. They won't pray for the family. They won't, you know, well, it's because most men are just clueless. 
they just don't understand. <laughs> they just don't have that that that, that discernment. Um, and I believe God put into a woman that nature to protect. Um, I, I'll, I'll ask couples when I do that premarital counseling, I'll say this. Um, you tell me male or female comes to mind when I say this word. And so I'll ask the two of you, male or female, when I say this word, intuition. What female. 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 I've never heard a man say, oh, I did that because of my men's intuition. Right. Right. It's, oh, I do that because of my female intuition. Why? Because God put that wiring into a woman. And I would submit that he actually took it out of a man so that they would realize that they, the two of them need each other. And so there are certain things that our wives are just going to know because God has given them the discernment that we as men, we just don't, we just don't get. And so I realize this is a long winded answer to your question, but I would submit that, um, our marriage could be kind of pictured as our human body. You know, in the word of God, Jesus uses all the time our bodies or the authors of different gospels use our bodies. First um, Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the spiritual gifts. And then it says, it's like our body where we need our ears and our eyes and we need every element and piece of our body. And if we all were ears, how would we uh, see? Or if we were all eyes, how would we hear? I, you know, just all that correlation. He uses the body many times as an example of what it looks like spiritually. Well, I would submit that in our marriage, you could take a picture of that too. And so I will always ask the couple, who's the head of your marriage? And they typically will go, well, he needs to be. And I go, well, okay, I get it. Ephesians submit, you know, wife submit to the, the husband as the head of the marriage is, you know, the body of Christ submits to the Lord. But I would simply submit this. Uh, I think a husband and a wife needs to make God the head of their marriage. Yeah. Let's make God who he rightly is, yeah. and let's make him the head. We've already discussed that the woman are the ribs, the protection. And so I always just picture that the man is the spine. Mm. Um, and so... Uh, what does the spine do? Well, the spine is the structure of our human bodies. Uh, the spine is what gives us strength that helps us to stand upright. Um, but it is also um, where the signal from our brain, which in this case is God, right? The head, uh, this brain to the body and the body to the brain. If I were to pull a little leg hair out of, you know, out of your leg, um, you would kick me. Uh, why? Because that signal would go up through the spine to the brain. The brain would go, well, get him out of there. Um, and so it just, it computes very quickly. So the picture that I get for marriage, and of course, this obviously applies to parenting, is that the man needs to be the structure. He needs to be the support. He needs to be um, a strength. He needs to have his relationship with the Lord uh, right. He needs to be connected to the head, which is God. Um, and then he needs to be able to take the signal and the communication from God and communicate it in a healthy way to his wife and to his kids. But he also needs to realize that um, the only way to stay firm uh, for a spine is that the ribs have to be attached to it properly. If the ribs are broken off the spine, the spine actually gets weak and it can fold. When the ribs are attached to the spine properly, that's when the spine is the strongest. Um, and so there's a really cool um, comparison in the fact with, with marriage. If God created woman out of the ribs and the ribs are supposed to be attached to the spine, um, we we see this incredibly healthy balance where uh, a a wife 
becomes that protector. And so I learned, uh, like I said, uh, many of the times the complaints from women will be my man won't stand up and when they won't pray and that kind of stuff. Well, guess what, ma'am? You've been given the discernment and the wiring to understand that maybe there's some issues going on with your kids or with your family or whatever it is, and your husband may not see it. And so when we came to this understanding, uh, my wife and I, Kim and I began to realize, oh, so Kim, if you ever sense that something's off, please speak it out. Yeah. Because then I will be the conduit and I'll bring that to God. And so if you say, hey, something's not right and say, we, I think we need to pray. Yeah. And then I would come along her and go, okay, let's do that. And many times she would be the one that prays. And it wasn't that I needed to initiate it. I needed to lead that. It's because we collectively came together as a, a marital unit to exercise what we've been given to us in regards to the creation that God put into us. I, I hope that all makes sense. That's a long-winded answer uh, <laughs> to it. But I think it's it's really important to understand that each one of us um, in a marriage, we actually have different roles or equal. I mean, you know, that verse right before, um, you know, it, in Ephesians where, you know, it says, wives submit to your husband. The verse right before it is submit to one another. And that word submit means to voluntarily place yourself under. And so if you if you get a picture of that as the spine, I need to submit and put myself and make sure that the ribs are always connected to, to me. Um, but from her perspective, she always needs to remain connected to me. Um, if a rib gets dislodged in your body, it becomes dangerous. It hurts too. It hurts. <laughs> you ever had a dislocated rib? That hurts a lot. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you can't it, even it, breathe. It you it can't hurts. take a breath without that pain going. Ah! It hurts terribly, and 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 it can be damaging. It can puncture a lung. It can, you know, there's there's many things it can it can actually do. And I wonder, guys, if there's just not a whole lot of, of disconnected ribs in in marriages today that that are creating a lot of problems. Um, and whether it's because they've disconnected themselves from the spine or because the spine hasn't understood his part um, and hasn't been that structure so that they can they can attach. Um, yeah. But when it's working well, um, you know, there's there's a discernment and an intuition that that our wives get about parenting and, and what our kids are going through, and what they need. And if we as men will hear that and listen to that. We can lift that before the Lord and we can make that connection. And then we can bring that back to our family and be that conduit that God wants to speak through. And I really feel like there's just a really cool, really cool synergy that happens um, in a couple that really then begins to help them um, with their parenting. Yeah, I love that. What a beautiful picture. And honestly, in all the years I've been following Christ, reading the scriptures, you know, sitting with different pastors and leaders. I've never heard that detailed analogy of why the rib, you know, God is the head. When you ask that question, who's the head of the marriage? Immediately, in my mind, I thought God is, you know. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people don't necessarily instantly think that way. But wow, what a beautiful analogy. I love it. It gets me so excited. Um, I know our listeners are just soaking all this up as well. Um, and I think two things I wanted to follow up with. One is just a, a, my ability to relate to the fact that the woman is the protector. And I've never really thought about it that way before, but I'm sure many other men can relate to this. But as I, my wife and I have been married over 20 years, and as I look back, 
I'm a better man now because of her. You know, I used to, I used to be a little bit more wild than I am. I used to, you know, uh, smoke cigarettes. I used to, you know, like spend money like crazy. You know, I didn't have all these things. And so, but she has a sense of, you know, reining me in a little bit, you know, even in my own personal thought processes, behaviors, actions, et cetera. So I wanted to um, just say, yeah, I totally relate to that. That's awesome. And then secondly, again, you know, out of my complete appreciation and agreement with that analogy, um, how do we look at the flip side of that? You know, I, I don't know if you've spent much time studying codependency in a uh, in, in the terms of the negative lights where someone um, feels like they need someone for whatever, whether it be, um, you know, codependency in the light of addictions and the the person who's the enabler and the person who's living in addiction or all those types of things, you know, codependency in an unhealthy light. Um, is there any way you can speak to that talking about God's vision for completeness and the roundness and then how that might differ from, you know, an, an unhealthy or broken version of codependency, if that question makes any sense. Yeah. I, I, you know, I haven't done a whole lot of, um, study in regards to that. But the thought that comes to my mind when you're saying that, it, it just goes back to just even that picture of the body. Um, you know, codependency, in my opinion, is either a spine that is weak and is hoping the ribs will hold it up. Yeah. Um, or or it's ribs that don't want to attach or, or refuse to make the connection. Um, and so therefore, you know, become dangerous. And, um, you know, again, uh, you know, in the physical illustration, you know, you can you can hurt vital organs when those ribs are detached. And like you said, it's painful. It, it is absolutely painful. And so I think in my mind, the picture of a codependent relationship um, that, that would steer off of what God's original intention was, is that you would have uh, the that you wouldn't have the structure that I believe a man is called to be in, in regards to that relationship with his wife. Um, or you have a, a wife who um, doesn't have all the ribs connected to the spine because, you know, and, and so therefore is blaming the spine for not being the structure when the truth is they just don't want to attach because of that um, addiction or, or whatever the, the codependency is. And I think, I think a lot of that can come from how we were parented as Brett was saying earlier, uh, you know, we can, we can pick up some of those habits from our parents mm -hmm. um, and that's where it, it becomes really, really important to understand that God is the head. Um, because you know, where, where this physical illustration kind of falls apart a little bit is that um, both the man and the woman have to connect to God. Um, I, you know, we, we both have to keep our relationship with the Lord and let him be the one that we are dependent on, um, that we are getting from him the purpose and plan that we were created for. Um, obviously, we're speaking in some pretty broad struck generalities and every every human being is a little bit different in all these things. Sure. These are pretty, these, these are some pretty um, specific things that I've seen in marriage um, where if the man is the spine and will be the structure and the woman will connect and, and remain connected to him, 
and vice versa. It goes incredibly well. And then it's a healthy dependency, uh, interdependency with one another as each one connects with the Lord. Um, sure. You know, getting getting what they need from the Lord. I, I, you know, I challenge, I go through Ephesians, obviously, in premarital counseling, and, you know, wives submit to your husband as, as the head of the marriage, as, as the body of Christ submits to the Lord. Then it goes on and said, husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church, giving himself up. And so both of those things are impossible to do in our own. Yeah. I can't give the love to my wife that God is asking me to do in that section of, of I mean, he's saying I need to die to myself every day all day. I, I just, I, I struggle on that. So I have to connect with God in order to, if I receive the love that God gives me, then I can pour that out to my wife. If I'm empty, boy, it's really hard for me to, to connect with my wife. Vice versa, my wife um, in connecting to me um, and, and having that relationship with me um, and, and respecting me as the head of the marriage as the the section of scripture says there i you know that really simply means that she needs to keep her heart open to me and in order for her to do that i every in every woman i believe there's a nature to protect i mean as a matter of fact in a family unit what do we call mom we call mom mama bear right because they're the protector they're the protector they've been given that wiring okay so what's the number one thing they're going to protect they're going to protect their heart and so when God said submit to man, I believe what God was saying is take your heart and give it to your husband. That's how you connect. But if their nature is to protect, their nature is to pull it back. Their, their nature is to guard it and keep it safe and, and sound. And so what God is simply saying to you, to, to the wife is saying, hey, open your life. Tell him everything that makes you who you are. Of course, this is impossible for a woman if they don't have God giving them comfort and understanding that, hey, he's yeah. got them. That Because you know us men, we're just dumb. And we, <laughs> we say stupid things and we hurt our wives all the time. And as soon as we say something or do something stupid, what, is, what happens to their heart? Well, they want to withdraw it. And so unless they connect to the Lord and the Lord can protect them and keep them safe so that they can keep that open, that's the rib cage. When the heart withdraws, that's the rib cage pop, popping off the spine um, it, it, in that picture. So I, I I hope that answers your question on that codependency. I think it's really important that we need to understand we have to connect with the Lord and be dependent on him so that when we interact together, there's a there's a healthy dependence on one another, uh, but not an unhealthy thing. Sure. And certainly I can see how if we get this picture right and we model this image of the body to becoming one the way that you have described and we do it well, it will naturally flow then to how we are able to parent our children, how we can show up in our role as father as well. And yet I can also imagine that for a lot of listeners – uh, you are introducing some thoughts and some ideas that may be foreign, that may not be how how we are currently fathering our kids, how our relationship currently is with our wives. Uh, I was uh, having a conversation with a man very recently, last week, in fact, and I was asking him about his father relationship or his relationship with his own father. And and he said, really, all he can remember is his father getting out the belt and just the, dis the severe discipline that his father felt like he needed to enact. And I think stories like that reflect a a wrong concept of the roles, the role of the father, the role of the wife, the role of like, and so 
I guess my question for you then is, how do we make this practical? How can men listening to this have the conversations with their wives that need to be had to clarify and crystallize some of these right concepts around, okay, here's my role. Here's your role. Here's what I need from you to support me. Here's how I can support you. How can they begin to have conversations that start to move them towards towards a more healthy relationship? And maybe speaking of your own marriage, how did it evolve for you guys? Because I imagine you didn't come into day one of marriage with the perfect vision of how you guys were going to come together and parent and so forth and so on. So so how can we have conversations? How can we crystallize these roles? How did it happen for you and Kim? Uh, yeah, it's really important because I think, um, I think until you uh, as a couple can have those conversations, uh, I, I, again, going back to premarital counseling, um, I always tell couples to to be as proactive about things as they can be. I don't know too many people that react well. Mm. Um, and so the 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 thing that I would encourage couples to do um, and get in a really healthy practice of is being proactive. Um, and so my wife and I, on a regular basis, we'll sit down at the kitchen table and we'll have a touch point. Um, and we'll just talk about things that are coming up and then we try to, we try to figure out where we're going to have, you know, separation or, or the potential of separation. And then we try to talk through those things and be proactive about that before we ever get to that situation. Um, now as we've learned this, obviously, like you said, Brad, we didn't have this. And, and I remember there were times when our kids were small uh, that, that my wife would, would, you know, just have that intuition that, Hey, something was off. And I would be like, Oh no, they're fine. Uh, and you know, that never went well when I would say, Oh, just, they'll be okay. Let's just give it another day. You know? <laughs> uh, and, and I remember one time in particular, my wife took, um, our, our, our son to the urgent care when I had told her, Hey, he's going to be fine. Um, you know, so there's that structure. Oh, he's fine. He's he's good. You know, I'm not listening to her discernment, her intuition at all. Um, and she was like, no, I just feel like something's off and something's not right. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, I have to admit that I was very wrong um, and that, you know, she she was right. That in in intuition that she has, that 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 protective nature that God has put in her was dead on and and you know, in this particular case, it probably saved his life. Um, and so it's just, it, it's, it, it, it's a process of understanding how we're wired and being okay with that. Because uh, if, if we don't have that conversation where we see that and we parent together, um, then the man typically will be kind of this enforcer individual that, you know, just brings structure, structure, structure. Um, and he may even be right, but you can be dead right. You can kill everyone around you in your rightness. And it's, you know, that, that's that's not what God intended. Um, and the woman can be completely uh, devastated and disappointed at that point because they really feel strongly, you know, their, their protecting protection antennas are just going off and they're not being heard. Um, yeah. And, you know, that, that never goes well. And it creates, uh, it creates a division and it becomes very difficult to parent then in the middle of that. Um, and so I think what Kim and I learned through the years and, you know, thankfully through some counsel and some really wise people around us that, 
you know, we needed to to make sure that we were on the same page before a circumstance happened. Um, and so we would have conversations about, you know, trying trying to predict the future. And many times we didn't get get it right. Uh, but there were certain, you know, sometimes we we would figure out what what one of our kids was going to do. And, and then we were unified in knowing, okay, this is how we're going to stand on this because we had already had the conversation. What I see parents do is they don't have that conversation. The kid does it. One parent wants to go this way. The other parent wants to go that way. And now we just have the parents fighting and the kid just seeing that whole thing transpire. And that's not healthy for them. Um, I, at least at the initial part, if they work it out, reconcile it, that's great. Then they do get to see how that works out. Um, but it's, it's really important to be on the same page. And, and part of being on the same page is understand that, Hey, you and I are not the same person, but God put us together so that we, we could come up with the best ideas and ways to handle what with our kids, what they need individually, each one of them. Um, you both have four kids no, Brett, you're about to. Um, and, and the truth is, every one of them needs needs to be handled differently. That's right. Um, and so uh, these conversations are super important because when it comes to discipline, then, um, I, you know, you might find that it's most effective for the, the dad to discipline one, but the mom to discipline the other. Um, and if you paint it with a nice general broad spec and say, well, dad's disciplinarian. Well, that might be good for one and yet damage another uh, um, in their upraising. And that's why these conversations are so, so key and important to have. That's beautiful. I, I really appreciate your thoughtfulness on that, your insight and, you know, you living that out in practice. Hey, we sit down and we try to look into the future and say, what can we expect? What hurdles, what obstacles can we you know, anticipate happening and let's make a plan how to deal with that. That's, I love that. It's such a beautiful thing. I'm going to do my best to begin to implement that in my own marriage. I'm very excited about it. And then, um, you know, I do want to make a, you know, quick request. I, I love that vision for how are we going to look at what might come up in terms of parenting, but I'd love to get from you just maybe a little bit of advice or a little bit of shared wisdom or stories on really best practices of how to stay connected with your wife. Because I, you know, like I said, I've been married for a while. Brett's been married for a while. You've been married for a while. So there's definitely an ebb and a flow. There's an up and a down. There's seasons of just, I mean, being in flow, total connection. You're just hit firing on all cylinders. Things are great. And then there's, you know, seasons of just conflict and struggle and challenge. And, um, you know, if I'm just being completely honest and transparent with everybody, my wife and I were laying in bed last night and she, you know, we never looked at me and she goes, yeah, I, I kind of feel disconnected. I feel like you and I are a little bit disconnected lately, you know, and I wasn't really in the headspace to deal with it last night. And I said, yeah, you're right. I can't talk about it with you right now. Maybe let's look at it later. And we just kind of tabled it for later. I don't know if that was the right decision or not, but what are some of your uh, wins or positive experiences on on how to stay connected with the ribs. You know, how do we stay connected with our brides? Uh, this is an hour and a half premarital. How about the cliff notes? Yeah, <laughs> or maybe one little thing. You know, yeah. No, I can get. I give you a few. I I think the wiring of who we are is so important to understand. 
Um, and I think that only comes through, you know, communicating um, and realizing that we we need to converse. I, I know from my wife and I, our touch points are are huge. I mean, we always we always feel a little more connected after we do this touch point. And what what is the touch point? We literally sit down and we take our calendar out first and we just say, hey, what's coming up in the next week or two? And we just talk about we start from a very, very surface level. Um, talk about just, you know, day to day, week to week things that are coming, appointments, different things. And that usually always opens up something where, OK, well, let's talk about that and let's let's get into that a little bit. And, and we can then be proactive about, OK, well, I, you know, I, we just passed Thanksgiving, but it's a really good example. Hey, you know, in August, you should probably have be having a communication about where are we going to do Thanksgiving? What's happening? I, you know, how many couples fight about which family they're going to go to, I, you know, and all those things have those proactive conversations. And so that begins the process touching point in a very pro um, a, a very proactive, but also very um, open um, where nobody's angry. Uh, you know, you both sit at the table, you've eaten, you're not hangry. You're not tired. <laughs> we, we, we always do it in the morning. Um, we, we try to just sit down and, and really, you know, have, have those conversations. Um, but then I would simply go back to, to the wiring. I think it's really important to understand that men and women are wired different, even when it comes to communication and being able to work things out with one. Another. Um, I've heard it said this way, men like to float on top of the water. And women like to be down in the depths of the water. Um, and what that practically looks like is that men like to talk about sports and weather and their job and very surface level stuff where women want to get into the feelings of things, how it affected them emotionally. Um, that's just, again, that's just, again, I'm speaking in broad generalized statements, but I, I find it to be pretty much straight across the board. Uh, but, you know, men love to just keep it on the surface. Women want their men to go deep into the feelings and and hurts. And hey, let's talk about this. And um, and the compromise um, in the middle of all this is to come halfway in between the two. Uh, it's interesting your wording, because I remember uh, probably 10 years into our marriage, my wife looking at me and she asked me how my day was. And I gave her the report of the day on a surface level. Nine o'clock, I did this. Eleven, I did this. One, I did this. Two, Had a I great did. sandwich just, at lunch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it just was it just <laughs> on the surface. And I would do that every day when she would ask. Um, and and one time she asked that question, and she just said, "I just don't feel connected to you." Yeah. And so I went and got advice. I talked to a mentor of mine, and just said, "You know what? What's going on here?" And he explained this whole surface and depth thing. And he's like, "Pick one of the things from your day and tell her how you felt about it." Yeah. Like how I what? You know? <laughs> and uh, and yeah, just go into your feelings a little bit. So sure enough, came home. How was your day? And I just went through it. Um, you know, nine o'clock I had this meeting, eleven o'clock, one o'clock I had this premarital counseling meeting. And man, I really feel like the couple understood what I was saying. I think they connected to the ideas that I was I was communicating with them about how they're wired differently and all of these things. And I really feel like I've made an impact in their marriage and and it's gonna you know, it's going to really help them out. And then at three o'clock, I had another meeting and at five o'clock, you know, what um, I did that for a couple of weeks and I'll never forget uh, after doing that same report, going down into my feelings about one thing, she gave me a big hug and she goes, I feel so close to you right now. Yeah. Um, and so it was just like, what, 
wow. Yeah. You know, again, and it, it, it comes from just understanding that what our wives need is just something different than what we need. Um, you know, we, we like to stay on the surface and just give me the bullet points of what's going on. And that's, you know, if I was speaking to a woman, I would simply say, Hey, you need to come up a little bit and realize they don't want the half an hour version of your five hour or your five minute meeting. Um, you know, they want the 32nd version of that five minute meeting. Um, and then if you give it to them, if they want to know more and they're trying to go down, they'll ask questions. And, and so there's the good practice of, of understanding just how we're wired um so for kim and i that's been you know we're coming up on 29 years uh, of marriage on sunday hey nice so uh i wish to i wish i could say that it's all been you know just perfect harmony but man we have had many bumps in the roads and we've had to learn um just how we respond to one another and how we're wired um and uh, but creating those protective moments where you can have those conversations, um, understanding the differences of how we're wired. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, uh, that idea that, you know, men are like file cabinet drawers and women are like a ball of wire. <laughs> no, explain. Um, oh, this was, this, this helped us out tremendously as well. Uh, the concept is that men, um, are very compartmentalized, uh, meaning that we, love to open up one of our drawers and we're in that drawer. So if I'm in my golfing drawer, dude, I'm in my golfing drawer. Don't bother me with anything else. Um, and then I'll shut that drawer and I'll open up my kid drawer or shut that drawer. I'll open up my wife. My wife's drawer is the biggest one in the cabinet, but when it's shut, it's shut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm mentally not giving that any effort or any time at all. Um, whereas the woman is compared to a ball of wire. And the thing about of a ball of wire is everything is connected. Yeah. Um, again, generalities, women are, are typically better multitaskers than men. Yeah. Why? Because everything is connected and they can, they can do five things at once. They can hold the berry baby, watch TV, cook dinner and have a conversation with you and know everything that's going on at the same time. If that were me, I short circuit. I start to twitch. I, I mean, I just I can't handle that. And so to understand again the differences in how we're wired, it begins to really help um, to communicate and and have those conversations. Because when the wife understands this, then she can come up to the husband and say, "Hey, I realize you're in the middle of a project. When you can shut that drawer and open my drawer, I have a question for you." Hmm. Yeah, and that gives us men time to go. Oh, yeah, of course, I can shut it right now. Shut it, open it. What do you need? And we can engage fully into that that conversation. Um, but when when the wife comes and asks us a question while well, we're in the middle of a project in the garage or whatever, I, we might say yes to something that we didn't even hear. And then two weeks later, you're getting ready for dinner that you weren't even aware you were supposed to go to because you said yes because you weren't able to shut the drawer. Um, and so, you know, that's that's really important for a man to understand. I got to shut the drawer, open my wife's drawer. But it's really important for the wife to know, hey, he's very compartmentalized. So make sure he can just, you know, shut that drawer and open up that drawer for you. From the flip side, the women, they're a ball of wire. Everything is connected. So for a man, we need to realize that not changing a light bulb 
can touch four different wires that bring her back to a painful experience that she had when she was a child. Mm. We don't get that. We don't even understand that, but it's, it's totally how that affects. And so this little three minute project of not changing a light bulb can totally bring out an insecurity in our wives that we could have never imagined. And why? Because they can't compartmentalize because they're not wired that way. They're wired to have everything connected. And so when we actually take the three minutes real quick to put in that light bulb that she's been asking for from last week, when we do that, it actually knocks a thing off her list. It takes one of the wires out of the ball and it makes things better for her mentally. Um, And so we heard that and that was just, it it was mind blowing to us because it really helped us to understand oh yeah, we're wired differently and we need to actually speak the other person's language um, in order to love well. I mean, I'm sure we've all heard the love, you know, the five love languages, the love language book, obviously, but there's these, even in the way we're wired and how we converse is completely different. And it's so important to get that so that our kids see it. Because if if we get this as parents and we can show how to operate in and out of different people's wirings, our kids are going to learn that. We all know that they catch more than they hear. You can yeah. teach all you want, but they're going to watch you and they're going to observe you doing this. Um, and so, you know, we, my wife and I, we've we had many arguments and we've had many fights right in front of the kids. Um, but we have learned a couple things in the midst of that. We always apologize to them. We always let them know um, that, you know, we're not perfect and we make mistakes all the time. Um, uh, you know, we always tell them and, and we still are telling them my son's 25, my daughter's 23, and we're still having conversations where we apologize and say, Hey, we've never had a 25 year old son before. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're making these, we're, we're making mistakes because we've, yeah. we've just done this before. And so we're doing our best. Um, and I think that our kids have really learned how to navigate then and how to how to have really healthy conversations um with other people neither one of them are married yet but i'm i'm super excited to see how that's going to play out in their marriages because i think that i think we've modeled a pretty healthy understanding of what that is and you know the old saying our prayer is that our ceiling will be their floor and they'll just be able to take off from there yeah you answered that's my question. Beautiful. Yeah, you answered my question before I even asked it. So that's uh, very <laughs> insightful. No, I was going to ask, like, what happens when you're not in tune with your wife? You know, how does that influence your your parenting? And and yeah, we we mess up. And but going back and apologizing to our kids uh, and and just being transparent and helping them understand that we make make mistakes, but we we forgive, we move on, and um, modeling that. That's brilliant. You know, so thank you for for sharing that. And and I think it all goes back to communication, right? It's I think that's what I'm taking a lot out of this conversation is just I need to I need to converse more with my wife. I need to to pre-think things, like you said, be intentional uh, as much as we can. And yeah, just have more open conversation on a more regular basis to make sure we're on the same page. Quick uh, quick pointer for all you men listening. After this, after this podcast, go have a conversation with your wife, but do not call her a ball of wire, honey. <laughs> I just heard this. I just heard this podcast, and this guy in Colorado called you a ball of wire, and he's right. Yes. You know, he is. He is right. You're a tangled up mess. You're a tangled up mess. Oh, so, yeah, that could be interpreted so many different ways. Yes. Yes. Uh, but 
but the idea that the spirit of it needs to be yes. expressed have her listen to the podcast and she can hear yeah. it straight from pastor Dan. And then you just have to deal with your file cabinet. It, it's so fun. I mean, it's, I mean, you're right in my own head, right? We have that exact, my wife likes to come ask me life changing questions while I'm in the middle of working out. And like my heart rate's 180. I can barely breathe. I can't think there's like way too much, too much oxygen. And, and she gets mad at me because I'm like not stopping what I'm doing to have these heartfelt conversations with her, and that's because I'm a I'm a drawer. I'm in the middle of my uh, my exercise drawer. But now this has all been really really. Go ahead. It sounds like you're going to say. Well, something. I was just gonna. I yeah. I that. Our my our our revelation when we heard this was just watching the news. You know, we'd watch the the here in Colorado, it's 10 o'clock news, and the news would come on. We'd watch it together. Commercial would come on. We'd talk about what we saw. News would come on, the weather and all that. We'd watch it together. Commercial would come on, we'd talk about it. And then the sports would come on. She could care less about sports, right? So I'm just totally into what's going on. And she's asking me, like you said, just, you know, well, what do you think about, you know, and, I, and I'm just, I literally am just like twitching between the two. And we realized, okay, that's why she used to get so frustrated at me. Why aren't you listening to me? Why? And, and it was just like, oh my gosh because I just was trying to listen to the sports and, and I would get frustrated because then I would miss the story and I would not connect with her. Um, and so once we heard this, it was like, okay. And she would go, Hey, and I go, I would thank God for DVR. Right. So I would just pause the TV now. I just pause it. What do you need? And she's like, Oh, oh wait, I'll, go ahead and watch the yeah. sports. And so it's this give and take understanding that this, this happens. And so it, yeah, it works. It, it's really healthy and it's really healthy for your kids to see. Yeah. Well, I feel like we could talk about this stuff forever. I uh, just maybe have one final clothing, closing thought or question and Perry, if you have anything else, but my question would just be, what advice would you have for single fathers or fathers who might have a strained relationship with their spouse currently. Uh, maybe they're separated, but they're trying to do this father thing well, this fatherhood thing well. But they're hearing that maybe there's a missing element of them because that's designed for their wife, but they either don't have a wife or they're estranged from their wife. And and mm. how, how can they give that to their kids? Can they give that to their kids? Where where do they give? How can they give what they don't have? So just just any sort of final thoughts around that for men listening who may be in that situation. Yeah, so uh, you know my my first thought when you were were saying that is uh, just be open and honest with your kids. Um yeah. I, you know I think you know I think good parenting skills whether you're married or you're a single parent uh good parenting skills are uh, you know I think that most of us know be consistent you know, don't, don't say one thing and then do another, uh, make sure you follow through. If, if you're going to say something, follow through on what you say. I, the kids need those kind of boundaries. They need that kind of follow through. And I, whether you have uh, a spouse with you or not, or, you know, you can be consistent in what you say and your follow through on those things. Um, and when you're not, then just be open and honest and apologize. Um, I think, um, a single father needs to just, be as real as they can. And I understand different age, you know, a two-year-old maybe can't handle something that a 14-year-old can, obviously, in regards to being real. But you still can say, hey, daddy is learning right now. Um, you know, I'm learning as a dad right now. You can say that to your two-year-old. Yeah. 
and help them realize, oh, wow, you don't have it all figured out. I think that's really, really important for our kids to to know. Um, and so as a single father, uh, understand that the Lord will give you creative ideas and creative thoughts. Your prayer time needs to be really, really active. Um, if, if you're parenting alone, I mean, you just have to be connecting with, with God because God will give you uh, the missing elements that you need. Um, and he'll give you very creative ideas and thoughts. Um, I always tell people, be specific when you ask God questions and then pay attention to your first thought. Um, because God usually speaks in the first thought. The second thought will be the enemy or yourself talking it out, talking talking you out of the thought. Uh, you know, So, you know, hey, what does my son need? right now and you might you might get a thought of uh you know he just needs you to uh, give him a big hug and then the second thought is oh yeah but he's so mad at me he won't do that okay so you just had two thoughts one was in my opinion one one is from the lord one is talking you out of it and many people end up being confused because they kind of put that together as one thought it's not it's two different it's one from the lord and one coming against what the lord is telling you and I just encourage people get really good at acting on that first thought, journal them out, um, see what happens. And I think what you'll find is more often than not, dude, God was helping you. God was helping yeah. you in the middle of that and navigating you through that. And so if you are consistent, if you follow through on what you're doing, if you are vulnerable and, and share, Hey, I'm still learning in this. You, you say, I'm sorry. And you connect with God and do what he asked you to do. Um, I, I think that, you know, he will help you do the best you can absolutely do. And guess what? Kids are incredibly graceful and forgiving. Um, and so um, they don't need to see a perfect father. What they need to see is a real father, um, one that has strengths and one that has weaknesses. And when you have those weaknesses, you humble yourself and you share that with your children. Um, they will grow up to be more healthy children in that because then they'll realize that humility and um, vulnerability and admitting fault and admitting weaknesses, that's not, that's not a bad thing. It's actually a strength. Um, and if kids see that, that, that becomes incredibly helpful for them as they grow up and mature into young men and women themselves. Yeah. Wow. That's beautifully said. What a, what a great positive encouragement. Um, to kind of really wrap up on, I think probably that was just so well-spoken from the heart. I love the idea of listen to the first thought. I love the idea of lean into the Lord heavily. I love the idea that um, God is creative and he is the great redeemer and he is the great um, equipper and fulfiller. You know, we're talking about men who don't feel that completeness of a matched spouse you know, God is the great fulfiller, you know, he can fulfill that. And even those of us that do have an amazing spouse, like, you know, me and my circumstance, you two gentlemen, we have beautiful spouses, beautiful marriages, uh, but it's not perfection. There's certainly, you know, uh, a plethora of times when the, <clears throat> it falls short and God is the great completer for us as men with um, God fearing spouses. And then God is also the great completer with men who that element of their lives is um, more incomplete than ours is because ours isn't perfect. Nobody's is. Um, so God is the great filler of those voids. And um, I, I love to 
be reminded of that. I love to give him honor and praise and glory for that and recognize him in that role. So yeah, brother, that's beautifully said. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for letting me. I, I did have one other thought that while you were saying yes. that, um, yeah. and that is, uh, you know, I think it's really important for um, husband and wife to remember that the priority uh, you know, we we all see the priority list, you know, God, marriage, family, you know, all that. That's really, I know it's cliche, but it really, you really do need to keep that. I now have a 25-year-old, a 23-year-old. They're both out of the house. We're empty nesters. Um, and one of the reasons that I think we still like each other is because while our kids were growing up, we kept it God, marriage, then kids. I see the mistake of too many couples putting all the priority and emphasis on their kids and they spend um, anywhere from 18 to 30 years, I, you know, depending on how many kids and the vastness of the ages, but um, where their focus becomes God, kids and marriage. And then the kids move out and they end up not being able to connect anymore. Um and that's that's because of a pattern that you've established in putting the kid kid relationship above the marital relationship, um, and boy, that is that is that is a mistake, um, and that is something that uh, you know maybe from my concluding point, it'd be to tell your listeners, hey, make sure that your marriage is number one. Our kids knew that mom came before them. And that's kind of hard to say when yeah. they're the little, but mom always came, dad always came before um, them. Um, and as they got into their early teens and well, wh why do you always prioritize them? And I I would literally say, because you're going to leave. And I'm gonna be <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to foster that relationship. Um, and well, that's not very nice. Well, yeah, it's not nice, but it's true. And you guys need to understand that. And we're modeling this so that you can have this too when you when you go. Um, and so make sure that you, you know, your relationship with God, obviously, first and foremost, but then your priority with your spouse needs to be number one. We, you know, we have seen the hurt uh, when that that's not the case in marriages and, and it, it trickles down into our parenting without a doubt. To piggyback on that, and my closing thought follows exactly on what you just said. It was something I heard literally just a week or two ago that really has stuck with me and has sort of been settling in my spirit over the past couple of weeks. But he said that the best way you can father your kids is by loving your wife well. And, and I think that speaks to exactly what you're just talking about. They see that. Love your wife well. And that will flow to how you show up for your kids. They will see that and that will have a bigger impact on them than any anything else you do or say in your role as father. So, so I love that. Thank you for your time, for your wisdom, for showing up for us and the listeners this morning. And we will wrap up this episode of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. We thank you as always for the five-star reviews, for following us so that you're alerted next time we drop an episode. For now, we are signing off. Take care, everyone. Bye.